Hello everybody and welcome to the show. And today we're talking about genres in comics. And it seems like the most difficult genres to capture are those of comedy and of horror. In a lot of ways, they're both very similar. They need to elicit a response from the reader in order to be considered successful. They both need perfect pacing to hit the right beats. And they both need an emotional core underneath the thrills in order to be truly resonant. It's for those same reasons, however, that comics can sometimes have difficulty in recreating these genres. The reader controls the pacing of a comic almost entirely, after all, making it hard for a creator to control. There's also an absence of those familiar tropes that especially horror movies employ, like tension-building music and the occasional jump scare. It's not impossible, however, and while truly effective horror comics breathe rarefied air, they are out there. Creators like Emily Carroll and Junji Ito have mastered the form and are able to evoke real horror in the stories they tell. And one of my guests today has certainly become a master of comedy in his comics. So what is it that they do that others don't? What makes a comedy or a horror comic genuinely memorable? My name's Matt Loon, and today on the show I'm joined by Kyle Starks and Jake Hill for a very spooky Halloween special of That's the Issue. I'm, uh, I'm Kyle Starks, I'm a two-time Eisner nominee, I'm best known probably for being uh, the longest running writest, writest, longest running writer on Rick and Morty. I've actually made more issues of the comic than the show. Uh, I've also made a bunch of books about hitmen or people like hitmen or at the very least kung fu fighting, like Sex Castle and Kill Them All and Assassination from Skybound and Rat Candy Mountain. And I'm just a real life pro comic book funny boy. Uh, I'm Jake Hill. I, um, I am the manager at large at multiversitycomics.com and I also write a lot about X-Men. I write, now that Hickman's writing X-Men, I think I write no fewer than 5,000 words about X-Men a week, often a great deal more. Well, welcome both to That's the Issue. We finally managed to get the recording working. Um, thank you both for joining me. Uh, it's like genuinely appreciate it. I'm stoked. I'm crazy stoked. It's Halloween and I am excited. Yeah, exactly. Before we begin then, uh, because this is Halloween, because it's a spooky episode, do you guys celebrate Halloween? Do you do you enjoy the the holiday, Kyle? I'll start with you. Do you do you and your family do anything? Yeah, I have uh, I have children. I have a, a nine year old and eleven year old daughter, and we've done Halloween. I have not. I think I've dressed up once in the last fifteen years, but I'm a bearded man, and there's very few bearded costumes that aren't like the brawny <laughs> towel guy. So it's been a while since I personally have uh, dressed up my kids and my oldest was going to, was, she was like, I'm 11 and I'm too old for trick or treating. But then I oh, was no. like, Hey, I was like, Hey, what if we got uh, my hero academia school uniform? You could wear it all the time. And she's like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked her into it. I actually got my haircut recently and the hairdresser was like, Oh, you're going, <laughs> I'm 42 years old. Okay. <laughs> she's like, Hey, you're going into Halloween parties. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I don't think I've been to a Halloween party since I was like ever, maybe ever. She's like, oh, yeah, we do it every year. We get friends. Like 50 of us get together and we dress up. And I'm like, what the fuck? So <laughs> yeah, anyone who's at a Halloween party, like, I'm super jealous out there. <laughs> I hope you're having a great time and you're being safe. Yeah. Uh, and taking your candy you get from your adult Halloween parties to get x-rayed. Mm. 
Now you make it sound really seedy now, adult Halloween parties. If they were seedy, I would have been to them. (laughs) What about you, Jake? Uh, Well, I'm a big believer in, um, I think in America, we've gone crazy with the Christmas season and the Thanksgiving season, and they get longer and longer every year. But I don't think Halloween is long enough. I am an observer of Spooky October Month, which is a 31-day celebration of the best holiday, and I love it. (laughs) Last year, I tried to watch a Halloween, like a new Halloween movie, every day, almost every day, and it was great. Like a new, like a horror film or Halloween. Like a new horror film, or... yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. I've just been on a real kick all year, so it wouldn't be different than my regular months. But I, I, I do it with extra fervor during October. Yeah, you, pay, yeah, sure. you like pay a little more attention. You put the subtitles on. Yeah, actually, <laughs> so in. A, I'm in Ohio, and we're having a weird weather summer, which I understand. Every Ohio year is a weird weather year. I'm in Indiana, um, so I know all about it. Yeah, so it's been summer most of October, and it's been kind of a bummer. The leaves just started changing like a couple of days ago, but I just discovered the Stephen King podcast, and that's the first thing that made me realize that it was fall, and it was spooky time, and that's been great. Is that the Losers Club? Is that the one you were talking about? That's the Losers Club. I um, I need to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I had the, that idea for a podcast like like four or five years ago, and it never materialized. And then I heard them like, oh, this is way better. I would not have done this podcast as well. <laughs> yeah. Someone else is doing it and doing it better. That's basically the podcast creed. Right. Exactly. So I get to enjoy it in a purer way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you guys have any kind of Halloween memories like from when you were a kid? Like what was your, what's kind of a favorite memory of Halloween for you? When I was little, we were, we were super poor. And so, like, most of my elementary school costumes my mother made for me, but they weren't made with any sort of, like, actual – like, there was no actual skill. Like, nothing was actually created, <laughs> for example. I think fourth yeah. grade, I wanted to be a bat. For mm. In fact, I would bet I probably said I wanted to be Batman, but all my mom heard was the bat part, and I was okay with that because I probably didn't want to be Batman that bad. And all, <laughs> all my costume was was, like, um, a black hoodie – and a black sweatpants, like I'm talking about 1980 sweatpants. And like mm. my mom had cut like, like just two squares out of cardboard, which I guess they already cut that way. Like she put like little things on the bottom and, and like painted them black. And that was my costume. And it's like, I, think, like, I look back, I think about it now and I'm like, man, if I would have saw that kid, I'd been like, oh boy. Like that kid's, yeah. that kid's got a rough life going. But I remember it very fondly because my mom made the amount of effort she did. And I think I had like at least three costumes that were sweatpants based. <laughs> yeah what kind of sweat that's what it's all about gonna be? yeah and i think i think i i also have like a clear when i was we had moved when we finally moved to like a nicer neighborhood i remember like the first time i went halloween what is it called trick-or-treating what's it called <laughs> i went trick-or-treating <laughs> I, I don't yeah. have halloween candy hunt, yeah. halloween candy party we went on that and i remember like i a real life instance of like walking by some other kids who were basically our age because we were probably a little too old like we're probably like 13 14 and walking by some other kids that are 13, 14, and they're like, hey, full-size bars in the apartments over there. And like, I, I remember th- hearing it going, that's not a real thing. But also, I was like, what? We got to go. And the guy had, re- they had full-size bars, and I'll never forget. Like, it, was a, it happened to me in real life. Oh, I remember that, too. I have a full-size bars memory as well. Yeah. So I, um, Just one, though, right? It only happened once. Yeah, it only ever happens. Yeah, yeah it only happened once. Once per lifetime. But I, I live in Ohio now, but I grew up um, – I actually well, I went to high school in upstate New York, but I grew up – I was born in Brooklyn. And um, Brooklyn trick-or-treating is super weird to most of the country because you do it by apartment building. So you never leave the building, and everything is very contained. But I think that was probably better for the parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, there, and there was the one apartment – the next building over and they had the full size bars and we had to, I, I, I made my mom take me one apartment over, which was like unheard of in Brooklyn trick or treating. 
<laughs> so she's just like, do you not have enough apartments here? You want to go next door as well? Full, full yeah. bar, mom. Yeah. She, yeah. she knew it. She got it, though. Yeah. Because she remembered her full bar story. She's like, you yeah. got to do it. She looked at your dad. She's like, the- Theodore, we have to go. <laughs> we got to go now. Uh, Theodore could not be farther, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you guys, are you the kind of people that do give full bars out now? Are you the kind of people that do that? or? One day I hope to be wealthy enough to be a full bar guy, or at least have one very profitable year, I suppose. One day. We, yeah. we actually, like, we live on a street where across the street there's a cemetery, so there's really not a neighborhood. So we drive, mm. like, we don't even do, like, we. I think one year we left, like, a bowl out. Like, no one comes to our house. And yeah. if they did, they'd be from the cemetery and fuck that. <laughs> yeah, wild trick or treat. Yeah, no, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Costumes are great though. Yeah, very good. That sounds prime. That sounds prime Halloween though. I would, I, I would go to the house across from the cemetery just in the spirit of the of the holiday. Hmm. You don't want to be that that one house that people like kids dare other kids to go to though. <laughs> you don't want to be that. I person. absolutely <laughs> want to be that house. That's that's the dream. <laughs> Oh, wild. My my strategy these days though is um our apartment is like a over a perpetually changing storefront and in like a small Ohio town there's no way uh, there's two doors the the mailman can't find yeah, our yeah. house and let alone uh yeah yeah let alone trick or treaters but I always buy the full bars hoping we'll get a trick or treater and then I don't and then I'm like oh I guess I have to eat all these candy bars now oh yeah that's that's like the kind of the the snacks of shame for like a week or two afterwards you just sat eating all the candy that you didn't give away. <laughs> Oh no way! I know what I'm doing. <laughs> There's I, I no know. shame. Yeah, though. we we get those. I know we get like those doing. mixed bags, you know, that have like four or five mm, different things yeah. in it. But it's like I really just like I, I'm. I shouldn't eat any of it. I'm diabetic, but I really like Reese's Pieces cups. So like when the kids yeah. come by and you're like, oh, just take a handful. Like you, you know, like you flick a couple of Reese's backwards. <laughs> so they're only really getting the other ones you don't want. You know, if there's gonna be leftovers. Yeah, yeah. They should be what I want. That's <laughs> wild. Well, Jake, you mentioned in your intro that you are um, a new manager at large for Multiversity. Um, how are you finding the transition from being like a, a writer reviewer into kind of being behind the scenes, going behind the curtain? Uh, it's a. It, it, I, I feel like the tone of your question was correct. It's pr- it's a pretty wild changeover. Mm. Uh, your your focus changes and your um, your priorities are changing. But what I'm finding is um, what I'm finding that's similar is when you're freelancing which i've done quite a bit of you're um you're always worrying about your deadlines and the only difference between freelancing and managing the site is that um you're just you're hitting everybody else's deadlines you're just constantly tracking everybody else down and wondering where the hell they went yeah yeah and um why they're waylaid so you're i guess you're always putting out fires it's just like different it's uh, you didn't start the fires <laughs> this time around yeah, it's not, you're not the one setting them you're the one trying to get exactly. under control Exactly. Yeah. Because, I mean, you've been writing for the site for a while, haven't you? Um, I think since, like, January of 2016 or 17. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of around the same time I, I joined as well. So it's kind of a similar amount of time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. And so do you find that being able to read other people's reviews or, like, read them with kind of like an editorial eye, do you find that that makes you a better writer or are you learning a lot more about how you write? I've always found that it's way easier to edit other people's writing than your own writing because you never know your own mistakes. Mm. I don't know if Kyle feels the same way. Uh, well, I'm perfect, so <laughs> it's a little different. Yeah. I'm a I'm a big Sex Castle fan, so I figured that must have just come out in the first draft perfectly formed. I'm, I I we can get into my my unusual system for writing, um, <laughs> but I don't actually write a script for any of the books that I write and draw. So basically, yes, like I, I just think about them for a very long time. And then when I sit down, I let I let moments happen in the course of what is supposed to happen in the story. So it's literally a first draft. There might be some things in there like some the thing the 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 bad part of doing it the way that I do it 
is if I get a few pages in and, and I feel like it's not working, I have to destroy pages I've already drawn and lettered. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a Michelangelo looking at the marble kind of yeah. thing, right? Mm. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it's exact, that's exactly right, um, is that I, I spend a lot of time a, a lot of time telling myself the stories, especially with the things that I wrote and drew. Um, like Mars Attacks and Assassination, I did for somebody else, so I did write scripts, of course, and I had less time to think about them. But it's the same process. I just spend a lot of time telling myself the story, and then the, I'm like, well, I don't like that part. Like, start over. And I work out all the things I sort of want to be in it. I don't recommend that to anybody. I, it's, it's a bad way of doing it for a lot of different ways. Um, but I do a lot of action and horror stuff, and especially for art, action and comedy. Jesus, I'm thinking about horror stuff because it's a spooky, spooky podcast. And we can all do <laughs> something exactly about that cemetery across the street. Um, <laughs> but with comedy and action, and even honestly, it's a different discussion, but for horror is the same as like, you know, pacing. Horror requires a little more setup. It's like the sort of pacing – and they need to organically, I feel like, be interesting. There's some stuff like set pieces and stuff like that that I, you know, because I told myself the story. It's like, oh, they should do something with a house gutter, like or whatever. Like I think that'd be great. Like I think those things out a little bit. But otherwise, generally, you know, the dialogue and the action is all stuff I sort of think of in the moment, maybe within some sort of parameters. But yeah, I, I really the first draft thing is funny because it's like it's probably not my first draft once I start doing it. But for the most part, I've I've probably I probably put 40 hours into thinking about it, if not more, depending on the book. I was going to do Old Head after I did Sex Castle, which was a Kickstarter in 2015, mm -hmm. I think. It was going to be my second book. Um, but everyone started paying attention to Sex Castle once the image put it out. And I realized my wife was also like, you should not have two books called Sex Castle and Old Head. You're really setting a precedent of stupid book titles. Uh, and she, she was correct. Yeah, she was correct. That's a it's not brand. off. It's not terribly off. Uh, she, is, she was correct then and she's correct now. But this particular book, I mean, I've been, I've been not thinking about for four years. But once I finished Assassination and I realized, like, this is, I really want to do this book that I wanted to do three years earlier, I started thinking, I'd actually drawn 70 pages of it. So I had to redraw. I I, re, I got to, I redrew seventy pages of it. And, oh wow! Um, but I thought about it basically for four years. I, I really sort of worked out the kink, so to speak. But that's not how anyone should do it. Hmm. I mean, I think every writer would be like, I've thought about it a lot. I think some people go straight to page, which to me it would be crazy to be like just to start writing. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'm very formats very important to me, and I like I like for my stories to do a certain thing. But I feel like a good story I should be able to tell somebody. Any good story, you should be like, listen to this. This is what happens. And and if you walk somebody through it and they go, that's great, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I do to myself. And if it's like there's a part I don't like, it's like, eh, I need to fix that. I'll start over. It's like, what can I do different? I'll do this. And then blah, blah, blah. It's like breaking the story. That's kind of the best part. That's probably what breaking the story is for everybody. Like, oh, we just think about it a lot. Yeah. But yeah. I know a lot of people like to talk it out. They like to talk it out. And they like to do, do like outlines. And, and, yeah, yeah like I don't do any of that. I don't even do it for other people. If I just start writing scripts, like I just think about it, I think about it, it's like, all right, it's time to write scripts. You don't make notes or anything like that. It is literally. I make mental notes. I, I realize as I'm getting older, like I should make, I should make more physical notes. <laughs> um, but I make mental notes, and my my thought process is because I probably have lost. I don't think I've anything great. I would keep, like I would retain mm. it. But that's what my thing is. Like, why I don't take physical notes because if it's very good, I will remember it. Yeah, yeah. Like if it's very good, it's going in, and if it's in, when I tell myself the story for the fifth time. It's in there. It's going to be in there, and it's, the story's better because of it. But there's a lot of dialogue. I know, like some of the some of my very popular dialogue lines, like you brought a you to a you to me fight. Like I didn't think about that. I just in the moment, I was like, "What well, would be a funny thing to say?" And I I wrote something <laughs> funny, and it made me laugh. It's, and I think all of them have stuff. It's very rare that I go, "You know, it would be a good one." I need to write that one down. 
because yeah that was going to be my question yeah because like if you think of like a really good line or a really good joke and like next week you forget it like i'm a bugger for thinking that i'm always like i think of something and then like oh yeah i need to do that and then tomorrow it's it might as well be a myth. yeah i think for like the talk especially the talk like i so i'm dialogue first like that's how i think of things but that's when i actually go to the the writing process mm. but prior to that it's, it's it's all story beats it's just a series of story beats so like i said when i get to those moments it's like, all right, now this is the inter- this is the exchange. This happens, and so and so says something cool. In that moment, I go, okay, well, what would be cool? What will make me laugh right now? What's funny? Or do I think you know, super tough sounding? Yeah, um, yeah. And I think I've been very lucky. I think maybe I might have just have a knack for it. Um, yeah. But it's like I'm trying to make my. I I feel like if I can make myself laugh, and I still laugh at like ninety percent of the stuff, especially in Sex Castle. Mm. Um, if it makes me laugh, then it'll make me laugh later. And if it makes me laugh, it'll surely make, you know, 500 other people laugh, if not more. So I've been very lucky, but I think a lot of it is like I, I let it's, a, it's, it's, it's some sort of combination of, of overthinking very much and then sort of ad-libbing very hard. I can't remember yeah. where I heard this, but I heard recently and I, this might be apocryphal, but someone was talking about uh, Larry Hama writing G.I. Joe. And um, he had all these stories of uh, with betrayals and these intricate plot lines. And someone asked him, "How far ahead do you plan?" And he says, uh, two or three pages." Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, yeah that's definitely true. I, I don't think I could do that. That's I think you'd have to be Larry Hama mm. to pull that <laughs> nonsense off. Or maybe you got to try writing GI Joe. Maybe I don't know. I, like the more complicated it gets, the more time I have mm. to think about it. But I also like I've also done a thing where I've basically only got to do things that I'm like everything I've done was creator owned except for Rick and Morty. Um, for the most part, even Mars, like Mars Attacks is, a, is like, it feels like a creator owned story to me yeah, yeah. is that there are things like I'm in there. They're like things that I know, like, do you want me to make if someone, I did a tweet the other day? Cause like I was, I was raised, I was, my father watched every VHS eighties action movie. He didn't care. I was in the room, which is bad parenting. Here and there. <laughs> it's um, what's out of right. But it's like, I, I was like, that's why like, why, why my wife, thanks. My wife is really stoked about old head and rock candy mountain. She's like, it's nice that you're not doing another Hitman book. And I'm like, yeah, right. It is nice. Yeah, that's a nice treat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's like, man, like other stories I could tell, like I could tell just basically the ex world's former toughest blank mm. assassin or, you know, I could tell those stories forever because it's like, I feel like it's just, um, it's just a, uh, a language that I speak, but you know, like old heads very much an action movie, but it's not that kind of action movie. You mm. know, it's more of a action horror comedy, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to expand my horizons a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And not just do Hitman movies. And my the and the thing was kind of a joke, especially with assassination, because the first issue has 22 Hitman in it. It's like I'm trying to get it out of my system so I can do like two books. <laughs> Listen, I only have like I literally have two books, and then my third book I have planned has Hitman in it again. So yeah, and that's like a, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go yeah. <laughs> three books. Assassination is like all I got, guys. Condense yeah. as many into one story as possible. Yeah, get it out. It's like I really want I really want to tell another assassin story, but I still my brain is full of assassins, mm-hmm. and my solution is to write a book that has 20 assassins in it. Well, I feel like there's you haven't written more assassins than they've made Creed video games, so I, that's a well that's not going to dry up anytime soon. People keep buying those yeah. things. And like the, all, yeah. the, all the old, like, uh, like all the action movies, like Schwarzenegger and Stallone, they all start with like kind of the, you know, the grizzled old assassin coming in for one more go and stuff like that. And it's like, well, you know, they, they managed to milk out loads of stories of that. So, you know, there's plenty to be mined there. Yeah, I love it. No, it's, it's, all, it's all about the Kurt Russell. I yeah, love it. I mean, yeah. Kurt Russell's a big influence. They're all great. Mm. They're everyone. Everyone of great. So you, like you said, Carl, this old head, you doing something different with this. You're trying to flex new muscles with it. 
like what are you what are you kind of expanding into what are you trying differently for you as, I a, mean, as a creator you know it's funny like, like i said this was gonna be my second book and i kind of got the yips about it because sex castle got so much attention sex castle um was optioned before it came out um i was nominated mm-hmm. for uh best humor publication with my first book which is bonkers um also my second book you guys didn't hear that from me though all right <laughs> um and but anyway this was gonna be my second book but i got it's it's it I, the thing about OGNs that I've learned, and at the time I was like, I can't do this book; it's too weird. And not that it's so weird, but it's 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 non traditional. It's it's un, it's unique, I guess. Um, but what's different? It has kind of a, like for this OGN, you can pace things differently. So it has kind of a slow burn in terms of the expository setup. Whereas with everything else, you, I, my thing has always been: you want to hit some, you want to hit it out the door. Like you don't want to you don't want to goof around. You want people to be immediately sucked in, which I've done with all my books, and I think it happens with this book too. But I don't think there's like a fist fight until page 30. Like that's crazy for a Kyle Starks book. That's that's like an eternity. <laughs> um, but I get to pace yeah. it differently. Making the fans wait. Yeah. Uh, like I have two reveals sort of in the book, which makes it hard to pitch because – or not hard to pitch but hard to sell because I can't tell. It's, it's 126 pages, but I can't say here's everything that happens, right? I can only really yeah, say the yeah, general yeah. setup and then it's sort of a vague because I think those two reveals and what – the story becomes after them is so enjoyable. I don't want anyone to not get that opportunity by me saying like, this is what happens, which means also I can only show, uh, I can only show like preview panels from like the first like 20 pages of the book. Um, it's just a really difficult sell, which is why it's on Kickstarter and why it's not at a different publisher. Hmm. Also, I love Kickstarter. Kickstarter made my career. This will be my fourth Kickstarter and I love them. Um, and I hope a publisher picks it up. I hope I find a publisher, but I think it needs to exist for any people who need to see it existing mm. uh, before, because my whole thing was to my, I even said to my wife, it's like, well, I don't know in the past I've always done like movie trailers and I don't know how I would do it with this one without giving anything away. And it's like, can I say, you know, three years into being a professional comic creator, I think over the last four years, I have something like five, I have something like 13 like trade paperbacks that I've made in like three or four years. Yeah, yeah. It's like, can I be like, Hey, you guys trust me now, right? <laughs> you guys trust me now, right? Because it's going to be laughs and it's going to be action. But it's like, also, I don't know, there's a basketball player and Dracula's in it. There's yeah, monsters, yeah. but they're weird monsters. And, you know, for me, like, this book is really about, it's, it's, it's about a basketball player fighting Dracula, which is great. That's fun. Like, that should be, like, you know, that should, that's a good pitch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Dr. It's Dr. Davis Dracula. It's, slam, it's Space Jam meets Fright Night. Like, that, to me, yeah. as a fan of culture and genre smashing like Edgar Wright, I go, oh, yeah, let me see this. But like to me, it's like it's also a book about this this guy who was an ex basketball player was never a guy people bought jerseys for. Um, he wasn't a big name. He just kind of stuck around for a long time because he was tough, and he has regrets about feeling like he never achieved what he thought he was meant to achieve as someone who's put on sort of that that visible precipice. Mm. Um, I think there's a lot. I think that's very much a lot of concerns as me as a professional comic creator is that I've been doing this for a while and I've gotten the opportunity to professionally, it's like, have I made something great? Have I made a legacy? Um, and I think everyone feels that way in, in whatever their career is. And like, for, so for in that regards, it's very personal. It's also about this character goes to bury his mother and about how she raised him and how he's interacting with his own daughter. Uh, his daughter has a great Home Alone sequence too, which is awesome. Um, so there's a lot, it's a very Kyle Stark story that I can't, I, I, I can't tell the whole story to, to try to sell it because the story's great. But it's also like, hey, you guys trust me, right? Like that's where I'm at. Hey, yeah. you guys trust me. Here's the thing I've learned. I probably should have waited seven years. I probably should. <laughs> I probably should. I probably should have done a few more because I think like I have a very fervent fan base, 
for Kyle Starks. And I was hoping, you know, Assassination and Rick and Morty would really expand that. But I think what I really learned, guys, is that Rick and Morty fans really like Rick and Morty and they mm. don't care about anything else. <laughs> That's not surprising. And, to hear. Uh, with it. With a, with a fascination, it might not be a surprise, you guys. Erica Henderson's great, and people love her. That's, that's mm. <laughs> I'm not for sure how many people have been like, man, I love assassination. What else has this guy got? I bet I bet a good portion have. But, you know, yeah, yeah. like that's what the hope was, is like, Erica, I'm working with Erica Henderson. It's going to be my most viewed book. It's very fun. Uh, and people read it and be like, I want more of this. Let me go seek it out. And I just don't know if people do that as much as you would think. Uh, but if you guys enjoyed Assassination, you should check out my other book, I, Rock Candy Mountain and Sex Castle, our old head, currently on Kickstarter until November 2nd. I used to I used to work at a comic shop, and I feel like um, the the new comic fans often will go in for, for characters or for series or for publishers. But um, once you've been at it for a little while, if you're if you're committed and this is what you love to do, you know that you follow. It, it's smarter to follow creators. Cause, yeah, I, I found that I, I worked at a comic store, too, back in the 90s. And I, I, this is actually some of, this is a different podcast entirely, the state of comics today, but I remember very much, you know, every, there was also less comics to be fair, but you know, every night when you bag the comics, everyone would read at least half the comics because we we're comic book fans. And the next day when Wednesday people come in and they got one of those books, you'd like, oh, you'd be like, oh man, did you see this book or whatever? But also it's like, oh, the, the new, um, uh, I'm trying to think like, uh, like, oh, Fabian Essie has a new book out. Right, like oh, we got to take out, like in the '90s. The '90s were bad for comics, guys. I'm sorry, I can't think of a better example. Um, <laughs> but you know, like like uh, like uh, what did he, what did he, what was Fabian? Like he did he did New Warriors and he did Thunderbolts, right? Am I wrong about this? you guys? Probably know better than I do. Anyway, was he writing Thunderbolts? I thought that was. Um, was he hanging, am I wrong about all this? I think it was Busiek. Anyway, but you would Busiek Busiek was is a good example because then he did Avengers. Like he was doing very pure comic things at the time, which were great. But the other thing is that like, he would seek out creators and like maybe that's not where comics are right now which it seems like it would be though because it's like indie music right like if you find that one song no it totally yeah, is i found that one song on spotify i found a, i found a musician i really like um randomly through a spotify playlist and for me i'm like i really like that and it's like oh they're also in a band so now i listen to the band too but i don't know how calm i don't know how common that is right yeah no i think that's, um, totally my, that's my hope still you think so yeah like um all right I like some big sales. In. Well, like a year ago, I, um, they put me on the X-Men beat and I hadn't been following the book so much. And, uh, but I got into it and I was really enjoying what, um, uh, what Matt Rosenberg was doing on his run. And then, um, Hickman happened and suddenly everybody I know is reading X-Men and it's because they all read a Hickman book. They all read East of West or they all followed his Fantastic Four or something. And now people who have never cracked open an X-Men book are following it because they know that they like Hickman and his brand and he's got a real strong sense of what makes a Hickman book a Hickman book. And I think you got that going on too, although yeah, less I, charts and more. I hope that's the case. Yeah. I, yeah. I, my, I mean, my thing is like, I, like Matt, Matt, I love Matt Rosenberg. There's like, I'm wondering how much the people who read Punisher and X-Men were like, man, we should check out Four Kids Walking to a Bank. By the way, Four Kids Walking to a Bank, unbelievably good. It is really That's good, an incredible yeah. book. That is a good I don't know book. how much people go, I don't know how much people go back. Like, mm, yeah, I don't yeah. know. And I, I'm saying that, I'm asking like, I'm not saying like, I don't think they do. I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I did a show this, like the shows I did this weekend, there's, whenever I do shows and I do a bunch because Rick and Morty sells very well at shows, I always have people sort of come up on the front stand. Those are people who want to buy my stuff, right? Yeah. The other one's like, oh, do you, can I get a commission of not Rick and Morty? And I want to get whatever your new book is. Do you have Mars Attacks? I don't. Sorry. Um, but it seems common from New York in this last minute show. People people are like, oh, man, I read Assassination. That's great. But they say it the way they say it. It's like, oh, that I, I saw that. And it's like, yeah, I got the books on my table. They're real good. Like if you like if, guys. Hey, listen, uh, Multiversity fans. If you like punches and jokes, I'm, I'm your boy. All right. 
I got you covered. <laughs> if you enjoyed assassination, which even if you just thought it looked great, hmm. if you saw some of the words and thought they were funny, because it does look amazing. Eric Anderson's a super talent. She's uh, insane. She's, insane. she's yeah. like, one of my best friends. I'm glad we finally get to work together. It's like, hey, I got her stuff too. I think like for me, my thing is always like, I'm always looking for more of the thing I like. Hmm. Uh, and I want other people to do that too. Like that's just critical thinking and like, you know, making your life better. Yeah. I think. Well, that yeah, like kind of that... what a, what a just a depressing <laughs> tangent. <I wouldn't> <laughs> <laughs> All that's currently on Kickstarter until November second. Yeah. Well, that leads me into like the uh, state of the industry is the scariest yeah. spook of all. It, it kind of one of the things I was going to ask you. Well, one of the things I think about when I when I read your books is you you manage to kind of you obviously you've got like brilliant humor in it, really good comedy, but you've also got like genuine heart and genuine emotion and there's genuine kind of characters in there as well. And like kind of asking how you do that, it seems a bit daft, but like, is that the kind of, is that the kind of comedy that you, that you enjoy? Is that the kind of thing that influenced you? Is this the, you know, the, yeah. the, the comedy that has like a bit of sweetness underneath it? I, I think, um, I think my, you know, like the, it's funny cause usually people ask me the daft question. <laughs> Like, hey, how do, you, <laughs> how do you do that? And I, and I don't know the, like, yeah. I just, well, that's one of the, it's just something I'm good at. And I don't mm. know, I don't know the answer of how I do it, but I've always said, like, for me, it's, it's very important that there's some kind of subtext because the jokes, jokes are great and fights are great, but without any meaning, any, any, and I'm doing this thing with my hands where I'm making like a circle, any real mm. meaning, uh, not just like, you know, a, a charming resolution or at the end, somebody wins. I feel like if, if there's subtext to the story, it makes everything feel more important. It makes the jokes feel fuller. Like, and as you read it, I feel like you go, you can, you, it's something that has like subtext. You go this, like this feels like something. Otherwise it's gags and I, gags are great, but a whole book of gags is, is white noise. There's nothing to it. So for me, I have, I have, a, I, a, I don't want to throw anything under the bus. Sex Castle, Kill Them All, Rock Candy Mountain, Assassination, Mars Attacks are mine, even though Mars Attacks is not. And Dead of Winter is another one, but no one ever talks about Dead of Winter. That's about a dog fighting zombies, guys. Very spoopy. Um, I love Dead of Winter. Dead that of Winter is great. It's so brand for this episode, yeah. Yeah, nobody wants it. But if you're looking for a good scary book, get Dead of Winter. It's not that scary, but it does have a dog. <laughs> um, and Dead of Winter does it too. I should go ahead and throw that in there. But like of those books, Assassination and Kill Them All do it the least, where there's not really a subtext. Like Sex, Sex Castle is, is, uh, is very much about like how how personal decisions, how, how our decisions affect us and how our parents' decisions affect us. Um, uh, what's it? Rock Candy Mountains, like what length a man will go to, but it's also about um, friendship. And that was kind of my, I'm really interested in the power of friendship, which is all over assassination. I really think these subtexts are important. That's why it's like, what's, what's Old Head about? It's about the next NBA player who has to deal with Dracula. But to me, it's more than that. It's about, it's about destiny and legacy. <laughs> Uh, and I think that's what makes it feel real. It makes it feel more than just a funny, because I don't want to be like, I got a funny book. It's funny, but it's also full of action. So it's not an action book either. And I think in terms of like cinematically, the reason why a lot of action comedies fail and they're more bad, they're definitely more bad action comedies than good action comedies. And don't ask me for the good ones. I have to Google it to remind myself. Um, it's because there's, <laughs> they're nothings. Like they're just romps. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with a romp. I've done my fair share and I love them because I think comics should be fun first and foremost. But in terms of the heart, like it's very important to me that people like you want people to feel things along with having fun. Like you want to be happy and laugh, but also to have some sort of feeling just as a writer, because like um, Mars Attacks issue four has like a real tragic moment. It's like that makes all the funny parts funnier. But it also shows that there are stakes all like mm. my thing is like I want there to be stakes. And that's also why I like doing these short runs and these OGNs. And 
with assassination, I know like editorial earlier is like, gosh, it's like, are you going to kill everyone? And I'm like, well, I might. And I want everyone to think that like, that's part of the story is like, who's going to make it. Uh, and it, it sort of like, because so many people die, it makes you form a loyalty to certain characters. It makes you, it makes you like live in their moments more. Like, I, I feel like fuck Tarkington, like standing up for the third time in the final issue to defend his friend. Like that's a bigger, that's a great moment, especially since you understand like those guys have outlived 15 people, like 15 people and four terrible acts. Like, yeah, man, yeah. fuck is on it. Dave is like, I think like those, like those type of things are important um, just to make it feel like more than just a romp. And again, uh, there's nothing wrong with a romp. A lot of my Rick and Morty's are just thoughtful romps, I think. Um, but for me, it's, I, I like the stories a lot more when there's more to it than just what the story is. If that makes sense. I'm sure it does. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 Oh, I feel like even if you're not, I, if you don't go for that, it's going to end up uh, emerging anyway, right? Like, I feel like if you're not being thoughtful about your themes, it's not like you're not going to have themes in the story. You're just not going to be in control of them. It's just like an aspect of the book that's going to emerge. And maybe you're going to find out that you put something in the book that you didn't believe in or care about or want to say. So just like not thinking about that doesn't remove that element from the story. It just um, mm. cheapens it. It makes it like. Yeah, I, I think my thing. My thing is I like those I like for all those themes and for those sort of emotional moments to never be hammered in as part of like yeah I like them to be additional does that make sense like they're subtext they're always subtext yeah yeah uh, I'm never I'm never going I'm never going nudge nudge like hey did you guys get that it's about <laughs> legacy do you get it yeah uh, I just be like like it's it's like what's the story it's it's this action bit but underneath like there's a lot and I think like I, when I think about it the ones that did it really well like Sex Castle and Rock Any Mountain. And old head too, honestly. Even I'm going to say old head, no matter what, everyone's like. He's <laughs> but I feel like old head, old head, very much is in the same line as those two books. Is that like it? It really makes me so proud of those books. I'm going to sell. I did New York Comic Con this year, and I did not bring Sex Castle and Rock Candy Mountain for the first time ever to a show since they've both been out. And I felt naked. I like, why would I do this? Like, why? Like, these are my babies. They're so good, and I'm going to say that forever because I, I, I have no quant. Like, I have no issues with those. Yeah, yeah. With Kill Them All, like Kill Them All, which is a great book. Uh, Paramount's working on it right now. I hope it's a huge movie. Like, there's a few things. Like, I wish I would have added a little bit more to it. Uh, I just lost my job, and it's a little. To me, it's a little angry. <laughs> it's a little soft and angry. But like, I put, I do this thing where there's a romance that happens in that book, mm. but it never happens in a word bubble or on a panel. It's always background. Yeah. And yeah. so when I read it and when I see the parts, it's like, oh, there's another hint. Like, I love that. And I think, like, thinking about it right now, it's like, man, I love that. But I wish that book was a little more than, like, um, me clearly wanting to get revenge on being fired, mm. uh, which is what it was. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and Assassination had um, had a whole storyline that had to be edited out because of page counts, which is a little upsetting. So that's, like, I love Assassination. I think it's great. But it is missing a story that was originally supposed to be there, uh, mm. which was that subtext that I love. So, like, it's a romp. I wish it was also, like, something that had all the elements to me that makes – a really great Kyle Stark story. Hmm. But you should guys buy all those books. All they're all so good. Dead of Winter so good. <laughs> buy all my books. Buy two because you want to give one away, and then you'll be mad you don't have one to read. Yeah, yeah. You uh, want to hear you want a burner lot. one, basically. Yeah, I hear it all the time. <laughs> well, Jake, you mentioned that you're doing the uh, the X Men beat at the moment. Is that something that you like? Did you grow up reading X Men? Did you love the movie? You kind of come back from a while away, or? Uh, yeah, that was uh, the first comic I ever owned was the first comic I think most people my age ever owned, which was X-Men number one from 91. Mm, yeah, yeah. I had the Magneto cover and um, we had a spinning rack at the video store, which tells you what time it was in America <laughs> that I'm talking about. And um, and, that, and that was like a short walk away from where we were living at the time. So I, I went there with my dad and he bought me some random uh, Web of Spider-Man, a random issue of Incredible Hulk and that X-Men number one. And then the X-Men was like my thing for a while. Mm. 
And um, when Brian told me he did, he, uh, Brian, editor of multiversity.com, said, uh, we're going to be moving you off of reviews. What do you want to be doing? I was like, this is the politest getting fired story I've ever had. <laughs> um, but um, he was like, no, 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 we can, you can write about whatever you want. And I had not been given an option like that before, so I hadn't really considered uh, what I wanted. And then he said, well, we just uh, – the person who is covering X-Men is uh, moving on to other things. Would you want to talk about X-Men? And I hadn't considered it, and I, without thinking, I said yes, and it was a great decision. And I've been – it's been like a really great um, – like a, it's like been a, a like a touchstone. Like I'm grounded, and there's a series I know I'm going to be reading every week, and then that kind of helps me assemble my pull list and what else I'm interested in reading because I have this solid thing I know I have to read because I, I'm I'm writing about it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you come back in kind of exciting time for X Men as well because that's like as you say, Hickman's coming on, so everyone's there's a lot more eyes on it as well now. So you know, is the pressure on for you to kind of like <laughs> rise to that challenge of of Hickman and all of the audience that he brings with it? No, I'm totally stoked. I came on uh, the the run of Uncanny that just wrapped up. I came on on the second issue of that run of Uncanny, mm-hmm. and I was reading it, and I was like, I really dig this. I don't know how many other people are reading it or enjoying it as much as me, but I'm having a great time with it. And that was kind of it. I was just going to coast and do my little X column, mm-hmm. and now it's like consistently one of the more read things on the site, and, um, it just, and that has nothing to do with me or the quality of my writing or my talent of analysis, and everything with everybody is clearly reading everything that has – uh hickman's name on it and i'm totally cool writing those coattails that's been great and um yeah i totally bumbled into it and i'm just uh i'll take it i'm not gonna complain about a good bumble yeah no absolutely not well um one thing i wanted to ask um you kyle was uh like you mentioned old head was a story that you came to like years ago and you're coming back to it has like because obviously you've not written anything down has anything changed for you with the story have you kind of have you changed as a as a creator and you kind of your approach to it has changed at all or is it you just kind of picking up from where you left off i because i think if you would have asked me six months ago i would probably have a different answer Mm. but my memory of it now is the same i think it leans as to be expected because i've it's since five years ago i now have you know 11 and nine year old daughters like i've spent more time i think it's a little bit more parenty Mm. than probably it was initially. Um, I think it's I think it's honestly less rompy than it was initially. And I think for sure it's more streamlined. But I don't think the plot's still ex- the same. I changed the ending, the very ending, um, because I was told it was a major bummer. <laughs> and uh, I'm okay. I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to do an OGN. It's kind of going to tell. But I was like, no, they're right. Like, it's a major bummer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and as I did it, as I did it also, I was like, I, fig- I sort of figured out like a very succinct, ending that pleased me and so the ending definitely changed the ending was a bummer before but i think otherwise probably it leaned into look there's some parenting stuff that's a little bit heavier but my my wife's grandmother was dying at the time and Hmm. i think this character dealing with his mother's immediate death i think a lot of that played more into it um Hmm. but not by much the story's still the same like i said i have like three other stories that i've been thinking about that i've told myself over and over for like you know seven years or six years not that long i don't know why i said that five years six years (laughs) um no five years like i've only been doing this five years i've been doing it professionally three uh but there's a couple others that i've been thinking from like, like they wouldn't change like they're going to be very close to that because i've told myself the story so many times that's something that would make an editor crazy because they'd be like whatever i'd be like you know i spent half a decade on it i think i figured it out they'd be like, but what if you did yeah and probably not though probably kyle be kyle's okay mm. he's okay with what he's done <laughs> What made like what made you come back to Old Head now? Then what was what? Why was the time now to bring Old Head back? I I think, um, firstly, I had not drawn anything for a year, 
Uh, I had not drawn. I don't think I even did a Rick and Morty page, though. I probably did. Maybe I did a couple covers or something. I and I, I really, I know where I know what people want from me in terms of the industry. Like my writing is very good. Art, I'm going to say it's very good and try to be humble about that. Like I think my writing is very singular. I have a singular voice. I get it. My writing is very good. My art is fine. Um, but I really enjoy telling every part of the story because that artist always kind of does what I envisioned. He's great for what I need and he's free, which is also great. Um, <laughs> but I missed it. And because I already had 70 pages, I felt like, well, I'm going to have to relearn how to draw because it's been so long and I kind of already have laid out pages. So, but I had to resize them because my original thing was I love doing digest sized books. Cause I think digest sized books are great. Uh, America disagrees. They do not like digest sized books and I get that. That's cool. Um, they also, do, they also don't like black and white books. Like, uh, so it's like, I knew this one would be six, you know, six by nine traditional comic size and color. But the other thing that did it, um, is that, you know, I've, I've, whenever I do these books, these books that are mine that are creator owned, like they're always love letters to things I really love. Sex Castle is a love letter to action movies. Kill them all is a love letter to nineties action movies and John Woo. I was, I was, I fell back into a John Woo hole. Um, those are great by the way, if you can get in one, yeah. um, stop at like 1994. I think that's about right. Like stop around there. <laughs> no, um, I'll stand for face off. Face off is what is my all time. Well, what year was that? What year was that though? I think that, that was you, the late nineties. Okay. Cut. Don't, stop at 99. Stop at 99. Yeah, you yeah. definitely want to do face off. There's anything that he did. Both Travolta movies. Uh, the other ones, what's it face off like? is uh, 97. Okay. After that, he did, or before that, was the Rocket one with Travolta and Christian Slater. Oh yeah, Broken Arrow. Anyway, I was watching just as I was watching just as Japanese, like Hard Boiled and the Killers, which I love. The Killers, it's, I think it's an all time. Um, Hard Boiled's amazing. There's a scene where he has a baby. They're just throwing babies out mm. windows at one point. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so I, I, I sort of made these things that are love letters. My first book was uh, my very first book, which was not published. I only did a Kickstarter for um, is a wrestling comic. Um, I've it's always made things. It's called The Legend of Ricky Thunder. You can people are, it's Thunder. very popular right now because I mentioned it because I'm doing a Kickstarter again. I'm getting those I'm getting those sales, baby. Those store envy sales. <laughs> uh, I've sold five, so basically, you know, uh, my daughter got a very nice My Hero Academia costume. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, my thing is is always, you know, like like I, I've been very lucky. I get to tell the stories I want to tell, and for them, they should mean something. But related and not unimportant is that I definitely got NBA League Pass this year and watched a bajillion NBA games with my wife. And it really, I've, I've played fantasy basketball for t- the same league for 20 years. Like I love basketball. Um, but I haven't really sat down and watched, because I've only watched whatever's on cable, which is like one game every two nights and maybe it's too late to get the second game, blah, blah, blah. But with NBA League Pass, we watched a ton of basketball and it really reminded me how much I love basketball. And it's like, oh, I have this basketball book that I was thinking about years ago. That was going to be my second book. I'm sure that played a huge part into it. Um, but again, here my thing is like, is it a book about basketball? Absolutely not. How much basketball is it? There's, <laughs> there's enough. There's, very, there's enough to yeah. make me happy and not to turn you guys, turn anyone off because like no one wants a, no one wants just a, maybe they do. I, does anyone want a basketball book? Can I just make like Kyle Starks? We actually pitched this with a, I'm, gonna, I'm saying, I don't know. He didn't tell me not to say that. My friend Andy Hirsch, who's a very, he, he drew Garfield for years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is now doing for a second books. But we were like, we should do, because he's, he's been watching, he doesn't like sports at all, but he loves sports manga. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're very lively. Uh, Kuroko's Basketball, by the way, if you're wondering which basketball manga I recommend, mm. it's Kuroko's Basketball. Um, and I was like, oh, we should do Kyle Starks's Basketball Manga, and we'll do it for the rest of our lives, like Gru and Sergio Aragonas. And we'd call that book Fuck Your Sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> um, shockingly, nobody went for it yet. <laughs> nobody but if there's any editors listening, 
get at get at your boy. Um, I don't know. Like I, so the thing is, like I, I know no one wants a sports book. I didn't make a sports. Book. I think people do want sports books, though. I feel like, like I, not, I don't know if they do. And, and, and the example I'll give you is there's a really brilliant book Oni put out um, a few years ago called Downset Fight, which is uh, also it's got sports in it, but it's not you know technically a sports book. Mm. Same as Old Head. Like there's a basketball in it. You don't need to know anything about basketball. Like I'm not. No one watch. I didn't make a game. Like no one has to watch a basketball game uh, or talk about sports at a bar. With old head, like it just has a, a tiny, tiny skin on it, because um, I didn't want to use I'm a hitman my, again. <laughs> uh, I'm looking at my shelf though, and I uh, feel like uh, I've been seeing people talk about um, avant garde. Is a sports book right now that people yeah, are reading? I think that Boom's trying to put like, and there's like Dodge City, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. I, think that, I think that Boom is, and God bless them. I think they're trying, and I hope it works. Avant garde, by the way. I need to, I need to read. Someone told me I never heard of it because you know I don't read comics. I just sit at a desk all day. Um, but I want to read Avant Garde very, very badly because I hear um, that writer whose name escapes me has done something else that's very – or they're doing something right now new that's also very good. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of what it is. Someone else was sorry. I was like, I need to find I – never, I never heard of it. Like there's another basketball book and I didn't hear about it. I hope that's true. But I think by the, the sort of slow rolling of my Kickstarter, which is doing very well, uh, especially during a strike. Um, uh, but I, I, like, I feel like the bas- – like, it, it started, no joke, selling more when I mentioned basketball less. Oh, really? Well, so you lean into the Dracula. I really lean into the Dracula. And you know what? That's fine. Yeah. Because, because ultimately, ultimately it, it doesn't matter that there's... The, even Dracula, ostensibly in this book, like he's more of a metaphor. Like There's a twist in the middle. Dracula's in this book, but it's not a Dracula book. They're not chased. <laughs> like, I don't, wanna, I don't yeah. want like a foggy chase, chasing some bat flapping in the you know, near the gas lights or whatever. Like that's been done, man. That doesn't interest me. Yeah. Like I have a, I'm like, I, I was for this particular book. Like I said, it's space jam meets fright night. I was really interested in how, how vampires are sexual metaphors and rape metaphors. Um, so there's a lot of toxic masculine, like I'm dealing with toxic masculinity in a way that was very uh, cathartic for myself who has two, two, two young, beautiful daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a wife who I respect. Um, but I, you know, I hope that I hope those books are selling great. But I don't, I don't know if they are. Mm. Um, but I, I would love that. It, listen, hey, boom, fuck your sneakers. Let's do it. <laughs> send your boy, send your boy an email. I got the best idea. <laughs> I don't know whether the name really fits with Boom's aesthetic, but yeah, I might have. Cha- we thought we might have to change it to some something. Don't, else don't ever compromise. <laughs> don't compromise. Yeah, but yeah, yourself. be true to yourself. Yeah, be true to yourself. Look, what was Scotty Young's book was called? Fuck Fairyland. Right? Oh yeah, exactly. That was it's, image. It's, yeah, it's, it's 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 that name of the book is Fuck Fairyland, but they put like a sticker over the. Top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, you just know. do that. Stick. I hope you're right. Whatever. And also, also, if you love football, check out Downset Fight. That's a really great book. Yeah, it's Sims and Bowers and Cowboy from Oni Press. It's really good. It's so good. Every I don't know when football season starts anymore. I used to know. April, whenever that's whenever that comes around, that publisher should go. Hey, it's football season, and guess what we have? Mm, and yeah. Boom should do it too. I mean, I hope Boom does it too. Is that when when October? I hope right now they should be going. I hope they're doing a lot of targeted ads, or at least they're tweeting out like, "Hey, basketball season starts tonight." By the way, uh, not for podcasters. It already happened. We're time traveling. <laughs> Ooh, um, <laughs> spooky. Yeah, spooky. Uh, but it's like basketball season's tonight, and like I guarantee you, for the rest of my life that I have copies of this book or there's, it gets published, hopefully the case uh, every today, every day that the NBA season starts or the March tournament starts, I'm going to be like, Hey, you guys like basketball. Guess what I have the best basketball book or whatever, you know, yeah, and I yeah, wish yeah. there was more of that, but I feel like, I feel like, and it's, it's, it's also another, like, this is, it's funny because this is actually a part of like a saying with legacy and destiny with old head that I've been thinking about because like, I love rock candy mountain, but no one talks about rock candy mountain, which I think is an amazing book. 
I think it's I, I think it's a really brilliant book that I think anyone would like. Just no one talks about it. There's no there's no conversation because it's done. It's in the past, right? And it's the same mm-hmm. thing for Downset Fight, which is a great football book, which is something that if you're a fan, it's just like 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 you're saying, you know, you're 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 enjoying horror movies all year round, but you enjoy them more in October, right? So like you're definitely right. So it's like it's the same thing. It's like for sports, it's the same thing, but it's also as you think it'd be the same thing for these damn movies, right? Is that once when when Black Panther got added to Netflix, even you think Marvel would go bonkers being like, hey, don't forget, we have all the really good Marvel stuff. You should check out these books. Um, yeah. I feel like that's something that's sort of lost in present I've never comics. understood this. I don't know why they don't just hand there. out Marvel books with your ticket for Avengers Endgame or whatever. Or, are there like a download code yeah. for one free dot comicsology issue or something, right? But you know, yeah. you worked at a comic store and I think you would re- like there's dudes would bring back this. They would mention the same book over and over. If it's something they really loved, you know, there'd always be like, they'd always be like, you know what you should read? And you'd be like, yeah, Don, like you've already told me to read. Um, <laughs> like you've already told me to read like Jason's The Last Musketeer like seven times, dude. Like you don't need to keep trying to sell me on The Last Musketeer. I know it's real good because uh, you recommended it. You get those recommend- recommendations where certain things would be each person's sort of quiet favorite. Because the guy at the comic book store who's coming in every Wednesday is not going to try someone on Watchmen. Like they know you got Watchmen and they're not going to be like, hey, you should check out Saga because they know you already got Saga. But they're like, but you know what? I bet you don't have downset fight. Or I wish I could think of I bet you're not reading Kaiju Max. Like it's well, that's a good there's monsters. That's got monsters in it. Let's talk about Kaiju Max. That's a really good book. But it's like <laughs> really I feel like book. that's I feel like that's lost. Like it's th- so it's like now it's like at least in this whatever this current sort of bizarre where the where the uh, the local comic store sort of direct market is shifting, there's no there's no permanence unless it's a, a something the store can sell, like Saga, which is brilliant. Saga deserves mm. everything. But 90% of stores only have that saga section. You know what I mean? Like they're not rotating it out to try to sell someone on something they, they sincerely love. And you hope those employees are selling those books for me. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like that's my hope as a comic yeah. creator, because I can't, I can't go out there. And unless they make them like, once they make a movie, there'll be a kill them all section. I, I guarantee you. And uh, also thank you in advance. Um, but it's like, that's how it works. Right. Like no one, like it's just comics are in such a weird place and everything's so impermanent. And I know I'm so far away from the, whatever the original question was, uh, but whatever I did it and I nailed it. And that question is answered perfectly. Don't scroll back to find out the question. <laughs> no, it's fine. You Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always noticed though, um, with, especially with, uh, what was coming out when I was working at the store, I think dark Knight rises was, uh, was in theaters and um, you always got that bump, but it only lasted like a month. And the only thing that I ever saw that uh, once it got adapted into another uh, medium, it, just like forever, it got that boost was um, before the TV show, uh, Walking Dead was not a big seller. After the yeah. TV show, Walking Dead was the number one seller and it's never looked yeah. back. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think I think or I say that, but I don't know if it's true. But Scott Pilgrim was really one of those like suggested books prior to sort of the modern era. And I wonder, because it was so wildly popular amongst comic fans, and it was literally, that was like, that was still like a very niche community thing. Like, oh, we've read Scott Pilgrim, right? I wonder if, because I know it's still selling. I know for a fact it is. Uh, Because they keep putting out different editions of it, and they keep selling. Everything sells. Because Scott Pilgrim's an all-time great. It's a classic. But I wonder how much that movie helped extend that. Except nobody saw that movie. I thought, yeah. I thought or maybe people were buying it. No, they, oh, they did. Is that right? They saw it. But I, didn't it? Uh, it bomb at the box office. Like maybe years later, people were discovering it on DVD or streaming or something. I mean, I think it. I, it didn't. It didn't. It, for, I can tell you for sure, it did not lose money. 
And that means, you know, several million people saw it. And I think then they bought the comic books. I saw it or like 10 times. Persons, so you know? I'm at least 10 of those I, people. Yeah, I, I love Edgar Wright so much. <laughs> I saw it too many times. Yeah, I, mean, I like Edgar Wright more than I like Scott Pilgrim. So like I just... <laughs> I just kept seeing it. When you were talking uh, good action yeah, comedy, I was just like, you're, you can only be describing Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz, for, I mean, Edgar Wright has, Edgar, and Edgar Wright also does a thing which I, I really like, which is kind of smashing, which is sort of merging different genres. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Even if it's like, you know, like Kill Them All is like, if what if John Woo did a Die Hard? Or, uh, you know, Rock Candy Mountain is like, let me smush, uh, you know, Asian wusha movies and hobos. That's dumb. Um, that book is real good, though. I highly recommend it. <laughs> it's a really um, good book. But, but yeah, I, he does that a lot. And I think he's moving away from it, which makes me a little bit sad. But I, like, I love genre smashing a ton. Uh, Shyamalan did that. And I still in my head, Shyamalan's good because I refused those first three movies. Those first four movies were so good. I refused to let it go. Mm. I know they're bad guys. You don't have to tell me. They're not good. I know. Uh, <laughs> No, I still like to watch. Yeah, I still like yeah. to watch those ones. Yeah, I'll oh, tell yeah, you what. Yeah, my wife was just my wife was just throwing away a bunch of our physical media because you know, mm. uh, this is by the way, right when like the internet's like you know they can take your stuff away whenever they want. My wife's like, ah, we'll just throw it away. <laughs> uh, we took it to the, we took it to the TV store and they're like they're like we'll give you fifty dollars for all this and we're like it's better than throwing it away. Yeah. But as she's going through, she's like, uh, you know, she's like, uh, what about this one? And I'm like, yeah, I don't need that one. She's like, what about Rushmore? And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> uh, we're, we're keeping the West, and it's like so. The, like, if I'm like, if it's West Anderson, we're keeping that. Uh, two of those are Criterion Collection guys. Let's get real. It's only yeah. two. The other ones, like, <laughs> I got like the Target <laughs> store version. There's like Shyamalan, Anderson, and Edgar. Wright. I have Edgar Wright's. Actually, I, I've owned those digitally, but I was like, those I, I keep those. I love those guys. I love genre smashing. I think all those guys do comedy in a way that's not force fed, which is how I like it. I like it when it's very natural and it's unique. When it, like the way they do it, which is maybe not true of Shyamalan per se, but I think all the com- whenever he does comedy stuff. It's the way I like it. It's like just just sneak something good in every now, like real good every now and then. Well, and it's real sweet, it's yeah, real sweet yeah. comedy, and it's very medium specific. Like uh, those are movies that wouldn't be the same if they were uh, comic. the The jokes wouldn't land the same way. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just rewatched. I, I I love Signs. I think it's a really great. I, I worry about talking oh, about yeah, movies that I love um, on these podcasts because someone's gonna be like, "Well, if that guy like that." He's an idiot, <laughs> um, and that's fair. <laughs> but I also think that we all like things that maybe are imperfect, and I think. It's always about the, for me. Like some, I can't remember what someone asked me the other day, and I and I, I sort of was trying to explain. It's like I, you know, I never like it's never about the full thing. It's like I like bits. Like I like I like when 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 little moments are perfect. And a great movie or a great album, even or a great anything, will string a ton of those bits in a row. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's always like I never remember. Like, I just go, oh, that movie, the big thing. It's like no, no. It's like you know what? Better you know what? Better I like this bit. But what Science is on and. <laughs> Science is on in New York, and my my best friend Chris Schweitzer, uh, who's going to color Old Head uh, on Kickstarter to November second, um, also colored Rocky Mountain, Eisner nominated, and wrote and drew Mars Attacks, which is a wonderful book you should seek out. Um, it came on, and he's like, ah, this movie, and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to walk you through, <laughs> I'm going to walk you through this movie. I'm going to give <laughs> you the Kyle Starks, yeah, I'm going to give you the Kyle Starks commentary track to this movie, and uh, I was like, you have to get past, like, you have to get past the water thing. Only the most basic people in the world are like, oh, water, blomp, blomp. Those same people weren't like criticizing War of the Worlds because a fucking germ got on there. Like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> like, calm fucking down. Uh, you're allowed to have this caveat when it sets up a beautiful end of a movie. If it gives you like a great payoff, like, like a fucking sneeze killed War of the Worlds, and you're not like, you know, fuck Orson Wells. You love yeah, Orson yeah, Wells. Yeah. All right. So I'm walking through this. <laughs> And he's like, he was like, he was like, oh, he's like, here's a bit with his wife. Like, I don't like that's dumb. And I'm like, no, like the bit with his wife is this. I mean, I'm walking through it, right? But I'm like, oh no, no, it's mm-hmm. the sc- that's the scariest part of the whole. Like, that's the real horror movie in this horror movie, which has a great bunch of good scary shots. 
And when it happens, when we finally got to that, <laughs> when we finally got to that moment, you could just see he's like a little, like he got it. Because I walked him through. I walked him through. <laughs> yeah. And at the end, he let him like, up to it. Little sniffle. I was like, I, I got you. Jack, me and me and M Night got you. <laughs> yeah. That's an underrated movie. M Night deserves some credit. I movie. Yeah. I think so too. I think that's totally underrated. I think if you yeah, like, it is I think there's, I think that's the one. Like, if if someone wanted to really check, like fight about M Night, Six Sense is you know, the acting's it's low pace and. I don't know if it rewatches as well as everyone gave credit to. I really like Unbreakable. I really like parts of Lady in the Water, though we all agree him never doing something with the one strong arm guy is a real miss up. That's a real screw up, buddy. Like <laughs> you set up a great callback, like <laughs> like Destiny moment and never use it. Listen, that's a real mess up. I love the yeah, village, yeah. and you know why I love the village the most? Because I hate, it's good. I, you know, it is good. But here's why my thing is like I hate period pieces. And I'm watching the village and really enjoying it. And I'm like, man. I just hate old timey shit so much. And then I don't, I don't want to, I'm going to spoil it at the end. Yeah. Uh, it's modern times. I was like, Hey, it wasn't even a period piece. I'm good. <laughs> the one I'm thing good. you didn't like about it. Yeah, I, was like, I don't want to enjoy this old timey. Yeah. Anyway, I that's, think that's, the, that's the thing about these kind of things though, because loving something these days, I think a lot of people, you know, will turn and go, actually, this is wrong about it. Therefore mm-hmm. it's, it's bad. But I think loving something is about, accepting or at least understanding that this part is you know you can have stuff that is bad you can have stuff that's problematic you can have like bits that don't you know just don't work in for modern audiences but you know part that part of loving something is accepting that and not loving those parts but loving the whole you know despite that i think if if you if for these types of things like if if you're and if you're critical if you always i've always like i've always been so critical about like why did why did that work and and why do i like this and why do I like how that went? I think if you do that and you love it and you go, yeah, listen, 90% of this movie, like I love 90% of this movie, 10%, like not, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, that doesn't, you don't have to like, you don't have to throw the baby away with the fucking bathwater, you know? <laughs> uh, and I think there's a lot, I think early Shyamalan is really a great example of not, try, you don't have to throw the baby away. Yeah, yeah. Don't well, throw the baby away. It's okay. Also, he's a big basketball guy. I don't know if you guys knew that. M. Night Shyamalan loves basketball. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Basketball and horror. Who else mixes that? How Starks, old head, currently on Kickstarter, November 2nd. But I mean, that's the thing, like, because as you say, like most people with signs, they mention the fact that, oh, the water and all that stuff. But no one ever really talks about the rest of the film. Like, I remember watching that with my now wife. Like, we watched it back in the day and we were both like absolutely terrified of like the the bits where like, you know, where they're watching the footage and the the alien walks past in the background. Bombino's children? You remember Bombino's children? Bombino's children are all time great. There's like like, (laughs) three all-time great like literally all-time great horror not jump scare moments but like there's the bit where um macaulay culkin's little brother is like they're like they're turning the camera and they turn the camera on him and then the arm moves out of the darkness like that's a great that's a great scene but for me it's like all oh, this is great score stuff's great but i i really love like i love how all of those characters are sort of dealing with the situation that they're now in because of the passing of the the wife and mother like that's mm-hmm. the stuff to me yeah, that yeah. really that really interests me um, I think Swing Away Merrill is a great that line is set up through the whole movie. Um and that's the same, like there's a little bit of sports in that movie too, which is not on purpose. I wish I was so smart. But you know, uh uh, uh Joaquin Foot, is that right? Is that how you say his name? Um, Joaquin, yeah. Joaquin Phoenix has, you know, he's a he's sort of he also he's like a failed baseball player. Um, and there's a bit where he goes to the um like the army recruiting station to make because his life sucks, right? Like, I mean, like he's supposed to be playing baseball professionally and he's helping his, you know. Uh, his his recently 
I can't think of the word widowed. There you go. His recently widowed brother, like run this farm. Like he doesn't want to do that. Like maybe he'll join the army. And that guy in there gives this great, he's like, Oh, I know you. Like you had all those home runs. Like you, you were great. Like they, that whole sequence. And the guy who plays the dude, who's like delivering the, you know, Merrill never saw a pitch that he couldn't swing at. Like he's such a terrible actor, but somehow he pulls off. Like, I'm sorry if you guys know him. I'm really sorry. He's not terrible, but he's not great. But it's like somehow like he's gets good enough to nail, like he nails exactly. Cause the other two guys are, like Joaquin and the recruiter are like just chewing it up, you know, like they're just eating the scene. Um, and he's like, Mary's like, it just, it just felt, it just felt wrong not to swing. It's like that, just a simple line. I'm going to tangent so hard because the thing I like is like little stuff like that. When you, when you can define a character with a character saying it just felt wrong not to swing and that's it. Um, My Hero Academia does that a ton with all of its characters. And I think it's one of the really charming things about that show. Um, we're going to get back to spoopy stuff, but I'm just saying it's interesting. Like, I think that's, if you guys haven't watched My Hero Academia, you should. It's really good. Um, but they do that too. It's like real quiet. Everything's real quiet. They don't, they're never nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Look at what we're setting up or look at what we just did. Um, that signs was really great at. This is the last time I'm going to talk to my wife. That's a fucked up line, my dude. That's a fucked up line. And that's a fucked up <laughs> moment. And I think like, as I get older, like I get closer to being Mel Gibson. Is, I, what, this is like the fucking signs podcast. <laughs> you guys put titles on these things? It's going to have to be signs. Yeah. Signs, signs everywhere, signs. Yeah. Signs, signs everywhere, signs. Um, that's a good ass movie. Get over the water thing and watch it, and you'll really yeah. like it because they do a lot of. Oh, oh, you know what the worst thing? The worst thing about that movie is not the water thing. It's M Night Shyamalan's acting in it because he, he's really bad. He's more bad than usual somehow. Yeah, I, I, that does always throw me. I think even when I watched it and I didn't know that that was him when I first watched the movie, I was just like, this this guy seems out of place. Yeah. Yeah. Did this did this guy, someone, did this guy have uh, some like blackmail photos of somebody? <laughs> like what's the deal? He's involved? really he's really bad, and he's in everything else, and he's not as bad as he is in Signs. Yeah. Yeah. My here's my argument. Here's my theory for that: is that he was trying harder on signs. Didn't have time to focus on the acting. Yeah, yeah, and he, he, he too busy directing. Most. Yeah, yeah, he's busy thing. working on it. Well, it's a good it's a good segue for us because uh, signs is tangentially spooky. So let's let's talk about some spooky like spooky comics as well. So what do you guys love about spooky comics? Like, do you do you think horror works in comics? I think I think the two hardest things to no, I'll say the three. The three hardest things to do in comics are comedy, horror, and car chases. Mm. I think they're the three hardest things. I think it's I think it's harder to do horror than comedy. Um, I've done horror. There, there used to be an anthology called uh, Boo with the old monkey brain. I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, monkey yeah, brain. yeah, I remember Boo. I remember monkey yeah. brain. And I did a few of those, and I really enjoyed it because I think comedy and horror in comics have to both do a lot of pacing. Pacing is very important, which means more panels mm. or less panels. Um I think horror is really hard. And I think because of that, to me, there are fewer great horror comics for, cause I think, I think my, and I, I want to like caveat this, like there's, I know like there's a bunch of like Bernie Wrights and stuff, but that's, um, uh, to me, the Bernie Wrights and stuff is, is, is like the horror equivalent of gags. And I haven't read enough. So someone's always like, you're dumb. But it was like, Oh, that's scary. Like that's, Oh, that's scary. Mm. But never really felt like, I saw he did the needle in the eye thing though. Right. That was him. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's fucked up. Um, <laughs> but it's like I feel like there's like there's just less all time stuff, and I be, just because I think horror is so difficult to do. Like I we, I knew we were going to talk about this, so like like I literally looked at looks list because I knew there was stuff mm. that I loved that was horror related, but it's like I couldn't remember them. No, yeah. Um, I mean, you Jake, like you mentioned Lock and Key, that is a favorite of yours. Yeah, and that's like I think I think that's quite a successful horror book, but again, like potentially not for like the same reasons why I think a horror film is successful. 
But what do you think? Well, I don't know. I Lock and Key's Lock and Key's my go-to uh, comic recommendation of what we were talking about before. Of uh, I mean, I guess it's gotten a lot of recommendation now. It's had like three failed pilots and a lot of buzz. The author's gotten really big, but um, when the the issues were coming out, I feel like. Uh, they weren't getting it. I felt at the time they weren't getting as much love as they deserve. So I was pushing really hard for it. Um, but uh, Kyle was just talking about pacing, and I think that the pacing is exactly why Lock and Key works. I, I think it's like it's, it's just masterfully paced, and um, and I also think it, it's um, again echoing one of Kyle's good points. Um, the the horror works because so much of the other stuff works. Like mm-hmm. um, it's a really funny book at a lot of places, mm-hmm. and um, and it's. It, the the comedy helps you fall for these characters, which raises the stakes when they're in danger. There, you know, what I, there's a lot of things I love about Lock and Key, and I actually I haven't read it in in a couple of years, so I had to do a, a little looking up uh, for certain things because I couldn't remember how certain. But the things that I remember before I looked up one with pacing is that whenever they did the giant key, they'd always do splash pages. That's so brilliant. That's such a brilliant comic move. Mm. It's like even every time I was like, I was like, I can't believe how smart this is. Is that when the character any character becomes a giant, it becomes splash pages? Yeah, yeah. Well, not only that, um, he, they um they use that the splash pages almost exclusively get used to sell size of stuff. Yeah. Because like uh the, the the first splash page is when they're coming into the town for this first time and you get that giant aerial shot, and then mostly it's just used to show how big the house yeah. is. So then when they use it to show how big a person is, that's genius. It, it's real genius. Also, like um, lock and key is is such it's such a love letter to story efficiency. Everything that happens serves some sort of function. Yeah. Either to either to, and it also does that thing which I was saying with you know my hero and uh, signs is that it's very nudge nudge. It's very quiet when it does things that set up future things or character defining. I think when it does messaging, like it does it in a way that's again not it's not overt, which is the best way to do that. Um, but it's so efficient. Like nothing. There's nothing in that book that I think is like why man why did they have that thing with the duck? Like what was the duck thing? There's none of that. Everything serves a. It's it's so efficient. It does those montages later in the book um, to show all the, like the mini adventures they've been on that we didn't see. Oh yeah, that's my favorite They're part. So good. Lock and yeah. Key is so brilliant. It's always and it, I, I as I was looking through because I it's funny because I I think Chris Schweitzer has never read it or Preacher, which I think is not a horror comic though it, it apparently is on some lists, but is another one of those books that's like hey, thirty six issues or however long fifty issues of greatness, right? Like why mm. Preacher, um, Lock and Key, why the Last Man bone yeah, yeah. bone like there's some of those books that just like they're whatever that that sort of maxi series are always the best um oh uh six guns six guns another one too that's a little spoopy there's some spoopy. I like six mm-hmm. wait you mentioned bone can i tell you just uh bone and horror i um i for my entire like childhood into my teen years i had this reoccur- recurring nightmare about this like uh being stuck in this like river of like hair and fur it was this totally freaky dream i was having and then in college when i was getting back into comics i um i picked up bone because it was on the all these you have to read bone lists mm-hmm. and as i was reading it i realized i had uh read the first couple of uh issues of bone when they were being published in a uh, disney adventure magazine if you guys have any okay. memory of that sort of thing existing and um, I realized that uh, Bone was causing this recurring nightmare, and I just and and I finally had to conquer it by reading Bone, and it just was uh, tremendous. But I'm way disproportionately scared of Bone because it makes me regress into being that like six year old or whoever, however yeah. old, I, old I was when I was first coming out. I was going to say because it's not like I, I was surprised to hear that it was on horror lists, like horror horror like was that Bone? List. Yeah, I was going to say like is that is that something that people think I, that preach, it is? I saw preach on those lists. I didn't see bone on any, but there's a couple. Oh bits. right, right, yeah. There's a couple. Bits. Bone scared me, man. Well, there's yeah, that yeah. one. Listen again. Someone's going to be like, his name is this, but there's the guy who's the head of the the stupid, stupid rat creatures. 
He's like uh, a King Doc. Yeah. Is his name. That dude's scary. Um, yeah, and then yeah. there's like the the bag, like the thing that's that. I, let's not talk about Bones. This is, but, but the thing that one of the <laughs> thousands of great things about Bones is like is that the Rat Creatures are, are are comic relief. They're their enemies, but like King Doc is legit, and his boss, like the bee guy, the wasp guy, like that guy's scary, man. Like those those are scary things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, that by doing that, it gives real stakes to Bone. But hey, let's talk about Lock and Key. Some- <laughs> yeah, I can talk about Lock and Key. Key it's so good. The bad guy in Lock and Key, that's a good cre- – that's about the creepiest bad guy yeah. in comics. Yeah. Like that has to be – if you're going straight like like horror bad guys, uh, it's tough to beat. What, Dodge, right? Isn't that his name? Dodge? Yeah, yeah, Dodge. Yeah. Dodge. Yeah. That's a, that, everything he does is way scary. And there's legitimately a serial killer in that book. Yeah. That's not as scary as that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can, you kind of feel for the serial killer because Dodge is so much worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, he, and he messes him up. Spoilers. Yeah. 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 Lock and Key is very good. I think, like, whenever people say horror comics, it's for sure the first one that I think of. I did do research <laughs> because I, I thought we need to talk about more than just one horror comic. But, but that's the thing, though. That, that is something that I think about with, with horror comics because there, there are a lot of comics that are in the horror genre but i don't think there are many comics that are like genuine horror like the only one that i fall back on and and something i've talked about on the podcast before is like junji ito like his manga is genuine horror for me he creeps me out i read Mm. that one where there's people inside the couches and i was like i'm okay for now i know erica i know erica henderson loves junji ito and i I, like i was like oh maybe i'll like maybe i'll check it i did and they're gonna make fun of me now because i'm like admitting to it Mm. like oh maybe i should read this one where they're with them where they find the holes in the cave oh yeah holes in the cliffside and then i see like two panels of it being like that's my hole and i'm like nope i'm out like junji ito (laughs) that dude is legit scary like oh you should read it's frankenstein i'm like you know no, thanks. I think I like sleeping. I like like that guy is legit scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he's you know he's the uh, uh, he's the mass he's the to me the master of horror mm. just because everything I've read I've been like I do not enjoy this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it really creeps me out. I think um, I thought because uh, uh, it was on one of the lists. I thought James Stokoe's Alien book. Uh, oh really yeah, creepy. Dead Orbit. And, yeah, Dead Orbit has a really great. It's so environmentally spooky through mm. the whole book, and that's hard to do. Um, I think uh, I've only read the first trade uh, of Harrow County, but I thought it was really spooky. Mm. Um, I think uh, I think Tyler Crooks, I think that's right. That's it. Yeah, like, he's doing some spooky work. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's real. You know, it's atmospheric. There's like a skin boy uh, that's very <laughs> creepy. Um, I really like um, uh, I like Donnie Kate's Redneck and Baby Teeth, though I'm not sure how how scary they are. Redneck has like some for sure moments in it. Um, but I feel like it's more of, you know, the Draculas are a skin, um, a lot of the way old head is, uh, available on Kickstarter, don't for a second. Um, <laughs> but I, but I looked cause I was like, you know what? I know there's a comic I used to have, I used to have a, a like a trade answer for, we'd be like, what's your favorite horror comic? And it was lock and key, but I had to come with another one. And here's what it is. It's, uh, it's Emily Carroll. Mm-hmm. Emily Carroll used to do web comics before she did a bunch of best-selling books. Yeah. And she has a web comic called his face all red. Oh, all right. And it's on her website. I have and, read this one. Uh, it was like her third one, I think. And it's it's the perfect horror comic. Mm. It's short. Wait, say the title again. His, I, I have I wrote his face all red, but it's probably like his face is all red. Is that like because she's got a book red. through the woods, hasn't she? Is that like in there or there, is it like? I do not think. It's oh, there. OK. I don't believe it's in there. Uh, it's called Face All Red. Um, oh. It's way good. It, it does. It's atmospheric. Um, she is really good at using the uh, quoting Scott McCloud, the uh, the unlimited canvas of the internet mm-hmm. where she, she paces things like Emily Carroll's spoopy, spoopy web comics are great examples of how important 
pacing is in comics for horror. And because she still does basically page turns with like a next, like a next button. Mm, yeah. So you still get, you still get reveals. You still get those moments of forced pause. Emily Carroll is really good at spooky fucking comics. And I wanted to make sure she got mentioned uh, his face all red. It's very good. It's an old one. Uh, I don't know when she put it out. Probably like four or five years ago. I'm definitely going to oh, check right. that one out. I just put that on my yeah. list. It's on her website. So you guys can all read it for free. Just found it's, it. I think it's Halloween's. I, um, I think it's Halloween. I also, I, I want to, uh, I was trying to put together a list as well. And one comic that just scared the hell out of me was uh, Witches, the Scott Snyder. Oh, yeah, with Jock. Uh, yeah, Scott Snyder did. He did American Vampire and he did Witches. And you know what? It's funny. Today in 2019, I didn't realize they were both him. Yeah. And now like looking at a list, I'm like, shit. I read some American Vampire and it's very good, but it wasn't like, it didn't knock me down. I don't remember it, right? But I was like, shit, I should have read, if I would have known, which is such an asshole thing. But also like, I like to seek out things I like. Sure. Like, man, I didn't, I remember seeing witches and just going, oh, a witch book. Like, I didn't realize it was Scott Snyder, who I think is super talented. I'm like, well, shit, now I want to read witches, like really bad. Witches is great. But the scariest <laughs> part of witches for me isn't even in the comic. He's got this afterward where he just tells the anecdote of how he came up with the idea for the story. And it's just uh, and him writing about exploring the woods with his best friend as a kid in this little afterward uh, is like – like if if someone's such a good writer that they could make the uh, um, the anecdotal afterward part as scary as the book, they're 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 doing something special, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I like what I like about witches is it kind of it goes back to kind of capturing the old kind of urban lore of witches rather than like broomsticks and cauldrons. It's like kind of like why why are we scared of witches to begin with? And it goes back to kind of like you know what's what's unknown in the woods and it's a bit like that movie witch that came out a few years yeah, ago that's what i read about it, it seemed like it was, it was like he was, was like a thoughtful like reinterpretation i don't know it sounded really i mean it's, witches sounded great it sounded really yeah, they're, good they're yeah, in the trees yeah, oh, it's yeah. also i um i was thinking i i get way more scared um with comics at least if the the art is scary so like uh jock's work on witches is super freaks yeah, me out that's yeah. it. i can see that for sure that's why like tyler crook is so good at drawing spooky things mm. um yeah he captures like very evocative, yeah. The, the other one that I couldn't sleep for like a while after I read it was: uh, Have you ever, either of you guys, ever done a Rage More drawn by Richard Corbin? No, that's it. I know that Richard Corbin like does excellent work. Um, that was one where when I was working at the shop, it was just I was looking for something to read, and a guy was like, "Ah, oh, are you into Richard Corbin?" I said, "Not really," and he handed me Rage More of all things, and that was the scariest shit. And I could not even tell you why. It's just a haunted house. The house is trying to eat a guy, but. It, Corbin's art makes you like the guy's going crazy and it's one of those how much of it is the, the house is haunted and how much of it is in his head but while you're reading it you feel like you're losing your mind just the, the art makes no sense it's like uh yeah it's like it's like Mobius gone horrifying hmm. but yeah so there was that and then the the last one I wanted to mention was um I don't know if you heard of Winnebago Graveyard yeah I I, I did a panel with the uh Allison Allison Sampson yeah 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 I've done a couple of panels with her yeah, that was um, that's excellent, and that's that's like the the plot is really good. The kind of old kind of it's like kind of grindhouse road trip gone wrong kind of thing. But the um, the art that she does is is absolutely stunning because her history is in architectural design, and so she yeah. kind of the backgrounds and the the structure and the form of not just like kind of the page, but the actual the buildings and like they at one point they go to like a creepy carnival, um, and because she kind of understands the structure and form of like buildings and how kind of perspective and stuff works, she can skew it and twist it, um, and so you don't even really realize it's happening at first. But 
but then like the more you look at it the more it's like oh yeah this isn't right because it's kind of like it's weird and twisty and and all wrong and it's it's really kind of evocative it's really good we've kind of gone off on a few wild tangents um but we've we've kept it kind of very spooky spooky. spooky. that's the podcast tradition (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah um but uh, yeah one last time as this podcast comes out um people have four days left to back old head on kickstarter um which ends on november 2nd um and uh, and yeah so that's that's out there is there anything else you wanted to add about that kyle uh, no uh, uh you can follow me on all social medias i'm the kyle starks uh or you can just google old head kickstarter um it's very good also read all my books if you haven't because they're very good too i promise and jake where can people find you uh, you can find me on multiversitycomics.com. Uh, I put a little bit of myself into everything, but I put a lot of myself into Mutantversity, which uh, is some pretty excellent deep lore X-Men analysis. And you should also pick up Kyle's books because I like reading them and you probably will too. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah, that. That's uh, very nice. I'll pick up Dead of Winter. Pick up Dead of Winter. That's an oldie but a goodie. It's very spoopy. It's based on a board game. It's based on a, a, a great yeah. board game too. That's another yeah, podcast. Great board yeah, game. The, the board game's great as well. Yeah, You can play as a dog on it. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, thank you both very much. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank Thanks you for man. having me. Have me back sometimes. Let's do this again. Yes, yeah, this fun. is awesome. I could, I could do this once a week and just break down M. Night Shyamalan's films. Ooh. I'm in. There we go. Yeah, we've already got ourselves a new podcast. We can do that Stephen King podcast, but the last like five are very upsetting. It's just like, yeah, uh, yeah. now it's time to talk about The Happening. Fuck this movie. And we turn it off. That's all the podcast. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm going to stand for The Happening. I think The Happening is secretly a really good comedy on purpose. I, that's, I think the, I think the, uh, here, back on uh, the Fuck The Happening podcast. Um, I think what you think the intention is, because I, there's a way I can watch it that I enjoy it. But if you sit there the whole time, I think, and you, as you're ingesting a story, because again, I think comics should be fun. I think they should be fun, and fun is different. It's not always funny. But I feel like if you're sitting there and watching it, going, "Am I enjoying this?" Um, maybe it failed. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, I, we're gonna we're gonna do a happening commentary track, and I think we're gonna have a good time. All right, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> That's the issue. Is part of the Multiversity Comics Podcast Network. You can find this show and plenty more at multiversitycomics.com. You can subscribe to the show via Apple, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please consider sharing this episode with a friend. The show is on Twitter at That's The Issue, and I'm on there too at Matt Loon. Finally, you can contact the show via email at That's The Issue Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.